The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do you have a water leak and can't find where it's coming from? Are you dealing with water or mold damage in your home or business? Then call Water Cleanup of Florida at 954-579-0356 for immediate assistance. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, and their team is prepared to handle all types of leak detection issues. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. After the leak has been located and repaired, Water Cleanup of Florida will then clean, dry, and fully restore the damaged areas. Water Cleanup of Florida is fully licensed, insured, and certified to provide the one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. There is no need to bring in other contractors. They will handle the entire project from start to finish. Service areas include Miami, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone at 954-579-0356. That's 954-579-0356. Or visit their website at wcufl.com. Water cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. Chris and the guys at Greenview Construction LLC are a firm offering professional services in design and of course construction and they are proud to announce that they've completed design and 3D renderings for two spec home models located in the Jupiter and Palm Beach Gardens area sitting on over one acre lots. Now they've got four lots available for these model homes. The first is a British West Indies model style totaling just over four and a half thousand square foot air conditioned space, five bedrooms, five bathrooms and they boast 16 foot ceilings in some areas. The second more traditional style home 3,100 square foot air conditioned space, four bedrooms and four baths. They boast 14 foot ceilings in some areas. Both models will have a free flowing layouts that connect the kitchen, the family room, living room, library. I mean, library, a den, an outdoor lanai. And both models will have an option to add a detached in-law suite if you really want the in-laws to move in and a garage totaling an additional 1,000 square foot. You can visit Chris and the team online at www.greenviewconstruction.com. You can email Chris Tyson, that's C Tyson, as in Mike Tyson, C Tyson at greenviewconstruction.com. Or you can call 561-727-5013. They're also on Facebook, they're on Instagram, they're on Twitter. Just look for Greenview Construction. And if that wasn't enough, they have an appointment-only showroom at 715 Commerce Way West, Suite 14 in Jupiter, Florida. This show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a revolutionary new daily fantasy game whereby you pick two, three, or four players to go over or under their fantasy point projections, and if you're correct, you win. Pick two or more players from the same sport or league or go cross leagues for your parlay. Use the promo code 5, that's F-I-V-E, 5, and receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. But first, sign up at prizepicks.com to start winning today. 
Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf and Simon. Welcome to a victorious edition of Three Yards for Carry. I'm Alfredo Artiaga. Sam Clancy is here. Chris Kaufman is here. And as always, we are brought to you by Manscaped. Use the promo code 5RSN and get 20% off your entire order. Well, I guess we'll start there. You know, we're talking about Manscaped and, you know, Manscaped. Um, for lack of a better word, you know, you got to shave your balls. The, these guys evidently got here on Tuesday because... You know, the, the heat was going to be too much for the Patriots, right? So so Bill Belichick decided to outsmart himself, brought these guys down here on Tuesday. Maybe they just use some some Manscaped products, and they would have not needed to come down here on Tuesday because they looked swamped. They looked dead in the water. Past the first drive. Are you aware, Simon, and I guess you, I'll kick it to you right away with your impressions of this game. Are you aware that they crossed the 40-yard line, the Dolphins' 40-yard line, twice the entire game? And they ran three plays past the 40-yard line? I was aware. I, I saw that earlier. So yeah, I was I was aware of that fact. Yeah. So so I'll start there. What did you think of this game? Was it as dominant as as it looked, or were there any things to to nitpick in your opinion? Oh, I think there was lots to nitpick at. I mean, yeah, it's great. Dolphins are one and zero, but there were you know lots. Of, I came away with lots of issues, um, lots of things that needed cleaning up. I thought around the league actually. Um, you know, I think it was indicative of teams not really playing pre-season, missed tackles, um, a lot of rust out there for, for everybody. I thought it was a lot the uh, the Dolphins could have done better offensively, defensively. I didn't like the run splits, for example, the run fits, for example, sorry. I didn't like uh, how we were sort of being gashed early in the run game. I didn't like the fact that the Patriots were able to move the ball really consistently early on in the game um, and kind of got bailed out by the, by the Howard... Uh, the tip where you know he could have easily been called for pass interference. Um, so yeah, I think you know the quarterback has some issues that are well discussed that we we talked about on OnlyFins. Um, but overall, a win is a win, and you know Mike McDaniel gets a win. I, I like some of his play calling. I love the the bunch fits and the and the stacks and the all those things, the misdirection and the Cedric Wilson sort of playing. Um, you know that sort of CFL. Type, sorry, one of the, the, the batter in the Tampa Bay Toronto game has just let go of his bat and it's just gone in the crowd, which I thought was quite amusing. Um, I don't think it's amusing for whoever got hit by that bat, though. No, no, to be fair, some guy literally caught it like he was in the outfield, <laughs> which is pretty impressive. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure the crowd's letting him have it as you know, the, like that's a boss move, catching the bat as it comes flying yeah, at you. Absolutely, that's what he did. <laughs> what a hero. That's, that's why my attention was slightly, um diverted but the switch releases all of those things so i was really impressed in that kind of um stylistically in, in how it looked i i thought there were a number of plays that were left on the field which i i think bodes well actually for 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 going forwards i still have a number of questions about the quarterback uh, and whether he's the guy and you know we need those answering sooner rather than later but i also thought there were some good plays some good throws um you know the touchdown was a really good good play good throw there were a number of plays that I liked in terms of what he did were a number of plays I didn't like um, and you know he didn't answer the key questions that I wanted answered um, in terms of his development but overall you know the Dolphin comfortably didn't really get out of third gear and beat 
New England, 20 to 7 at home. A win is a win, 1 0. Um, but those mistakes are going to need to be cleaned up against what looks like a good Baltimore team next week on the road. Yeah. Uh, I I agree. There was there was a lot of things not to like, but I did pick them to win thirty one nineteen, and you know that's twelve points. They won by thirteen, so I can't complain too much. Like, because people were asking me today, oh, I thought you wanted style points. And in my opinion, winning by thirteen is style points. You know, it's one more point than what I predicted them to win by. You know, so Chris, uh, what did you think of of this game? Uh, Twitter, uh, I I know you don't give a crap about what Twitter thinks because you had a very good. Uh, thread today talking about a few of the plays that people were taking issues with and we still don't know this is going to be like the Sapruta film I think we'll be watching it for 40 years we don't know if that ball got tipped but if it did get tipped it probably stopped what would have been a very long touchdown to stop the game because my god was he wide open and I did finally see the the all 22 of that one play which is the first play of the game and sure enough it's basically cover six they're all under and whoever's on that side, and I think is, is Jonathan Jones, completely blows his coverage. Like, he has to get deeper. And they let Tyreek Hill just stand there wide open. Well, and- it was a cascade of failures on, on that <laughs> particular play. And not, not, on, not on Miami's part. I mean, on New England. This was clearly a broken coverage, right, yeah. by, by New England. I mean, you know, Tyreek Hill doesn't end up that wide open. You know who Tyreek Hill is, right? I mean, yeah. so um, he doesn't end up that that wide open without like a whole cascade of failures. And but it actually started with the um, with the the botched snap uh, by uh, by Con Williams, the center. And you know that's obviously something that uh, that they're going to have to. It showed up in camp. It showed up in preseason. Um, it showed up on the very first play of the very first game. Uh, it's it's kind of setting a bad uh, a bad precedent. Um, I it's, think it's, it's tradition. Inauspicious. It's, it's tradition. inauspicious, I would say, uh, going forward, considering this has been a, a going issue for him. So clearly that's one of the major concerns going forward because this is a very timing rhythm based offense and you can't, you just can't have that. Um, but it actually started with that because when, when that happens, I think there are um, players on the defense uh, particularly, I think it was Adrian Phillips who uh, who had to uh, who went out to the sidelines to uh, to cover Alec Ingold in the flat. Well, he was real late doing that. I mean, he he bit up, he bit up, and then kind of pulled like an, a total O. You know, that give some credit to Mike McDaniel. He had Ingold in motion before the snap, and and so I think he just kind of realized very late. Um, and partly distracted by defensive players go crazy. The ball's out, you know, the ball's, the ball's out and it's in jeopardy somewhere. It's they, they go nuts. He realized much too late that Alec Ingold was, uh, was going out to the flat. Um, and then he tried to get back out there to the, to the sidelines to chase him out there, but he was so far behind. I mean, Ingold was open. Ingold was open for a big play potentially, um, but the corner who looked like he's, you know, in three deep coverage for all for all intents and purposes, the, if you look at the safety and look at the other corner, they look like they're in a three deep coverage or something. The corner sees Ingold running by himself to the sideline, you know, just by himself, you know, and, and, and he's like, and he, I think he got nervous. I think he, he's like, wait, you know, he, he's, he's got Tyreek, he's got Tyreek Hill running, running a sort of a, a curl behind him and and then uh Alec Ingold run into the shallow in front of him and he's like 
he's like, wait, I'm supposed to clamp, clamp down and, and angle this wide open. This is going to be a big play. And meanwhile, Tyreek Hills goes streaking behind him and the safety sits in the center of the field, doesn't do anything. And so he's just wide open. Like Tyreek Hill is just yeah. wide open and it's crazy. Um, I do think, you know, I, I, I looking at the all 22 from the end zone view, I mean, the ball was tipped. The ball was tipped by Matt Juden. Um, you know, there, it changed the, it changed both the, uh, the spin of the ball and really drastically changed the trajectory of it. And he was chopping down with his hand. I mean, it's, that's, that's what happened. And I think that it's unfortunate because the, the real thing is, I don't know that this would have been a completion, even if it wasn't tip, um, because there, the, it was a broken play. So, I mean, there's, there's aspects of it that you got to make sure that Tua and Tyreek are actually on the same age with one another mm. um for the for that and and i'm not sure if they were because tyreek kind of I, I i don't know the, the way he ran the route and the way to a through the ball you'd have to be certain that they were actually on him and and you can't unless it's actually completed you can't you can't be certain that it was but Tua had the right idea which is um he looked off he looked out toward ingold at first and by all means he could have gone there like he, he was open and, um, and it, it popped open the way that it was designed to. Um, but I think he either saw the broken coverage and decided to hit Tyreek for, you know, the bigger gain, or maybe this is, and this is very much into his wheelhouse. Um, it's possible that this was, this was something that Tua decided before the play that he was going to hit Tyreek in between the corner and the safety and use his eyes to try and draw that corner up a little bit, a little bit further up, um, which is very much something that Tua does. He doesn't get off his first read very much, but he does use his eyes to try and get that first read open. Um, so I think that I think that yeah, it was it was actually a good play for Tua to haul in to play volleyball with that uh, that that bad snap, and then execute. But unfortunately, it was chopped out. Overall, you know. I was looking at this game and I was, I was looking at, it, I was like, you know, there are only eight drives. Yeah. You know, like eight, eight offensive drives in, in total. I mean, this, we were kind of joking about this at the beginning of the game, all of us, when we're, when we're chatting about it and, and Simon and I are joking about it. I was like, you know, this game's going to be done by three o'clock. And then like something else happened. This is like, no, it's going to Simon's like, no, it's going to be done at two 30. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it was, it was speeding. The game was speeding along just because of the way that Miami was playing it, the way the new England was playing it. Um, there were only really eight drives, which I, I thought was interesting. Uh, and, and it, it does have bearing on the, the overall, you know, what you expect from a point standpoint, what you expect from, from all that. Um, I thought that new England just looked out of sorts. They looked like they're counting on the wrong people offensively. Mm -hmm. Um, they looked like they didn't necessarily have a game plan that would have, I, I would have thought that Miami's defense would be susceptible to having, you know, get more defensive backs on the field, considering the injuries to Byron Jones uh, and then uh, Eric Rowe is sitting out. And, uh, and then you have uh, Nick Needham, who's kind of been kind of banged up. Uh, I would have thought that you, you'd really want Miami to get more defensive backs on the field, but New England went 50-50, 12 personnel, you know, two tight end personnel. And it didn't work. It was dismal. It was it was absolutely atrocious. Their um their overall results from uh, from two tight end personnel. They did get some make some hay with three wide personnel with a level and uh, 
So knowing, you know, I saw Dan Orlovsky say something about it. He's like, I've never seen a, a New England team look this unprepared or something like that. And, and it, it kind of did look like that. It kind of looked like a bad plan both offensively and defensively for New England. I questioned before the game whether it was smart to go to Miami and play or practice hard in all of Miami's hot conditions, hot and humid conditions before the game. It might have gassed them even before they got into the game. Um, and, you know, I, I certainly didn't see anything during the game that made me think otherwise. Uh, they just were completely flat, lackluster. Um, they had successful plays, and there's no shortage of things to 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 criticize on Miami's defense, even uh, for as great as they played, but uh, just what a, what a dismal outing for new England. I think it was. Um, and it was Miami not playing down to the opponent because this is new England. Um, and this is a Belichick coaching coach defense, but you know, they left a lot on the field on offense and uh, frankly, they left a bit on the field on defense too. Um, so we'll, we'll see going forward. Yeah, and I would say as far as leaving stuff out on the field, I think that there's been this thing that's gone on through training camp, and we talked about it on OnlyFans. Uh, you could get on there for three bucks a month, by the way. But we, you know, we've been talking about it on OnlyFans. I've been talking about it all camp and all off season and OTAs and everything that I've seen. How Mike Kosecki can can sometimes be a complete afterthought, even in practice. And you saw game one where Mike Kosecki really, really wasn't much much you know part of the offense. But you had something interesting, Chris, and I'll get to you after I ask Simon this, but Simon, where's his fit going forward? Because that was that was an eye-popping display by Mike Kosecki, where I see a couple of plays where, where he actually was responsible for blocking people, and he wasn't very good again. But he wasn't involved in the passing game at all. Two targets, yeah. and one of them was a throwaway. Yeah, I was surprised. He, I mean, it felt did feel like they were just trying to get the ball to to Tyreek Hill as often as was humanly possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will be interested to see what happens as we move forwards. I, I obviously, Durham Smythe played significantly more. I was at 13, 12, 13 more snaps, I think, than mm-hmm. than Gasicki. Um, had the same amount of uh, touches. Um, I didn't. I, I, to be honest, I don't even recall Hunter Long being on the field. I think he was. I think he played. He was. Snaps. He was. Um, he got some stats. Yeah, Gusicki had obviously just had the one pass, which again, going back to the quarterback, I felt like there was a play in behind Tyreek that, you know, maybe just, and it's that kind of second read, third read stuff that you just, you know, I felt like came off his, or didn't come off his first read, just stayed very tightly to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, Chris, I, I read earlier, and this might be the point that you're about to go to, I don't Miami run six times for no yards when Gusicki was on the field. Did I did I get that right? That that you said, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he was an he was an afterthought in the um in the run game in particular. Um, they had a pass blocking a couple of times, interestingly, um, but three times in the game, and even more strange on two of them, he did well. <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, but yeah. I think New England have excellent safeties in Carl Duggar and uh, and Phillips and uh, and the like. And but what I do think is that um, what I do think is that it surprised me, given the attention that both New England and I expect other teams coming forwards will pay to Hill and Waddle. That you know, to me, Gasicki should be catching 
you know, he should be putting up Travis Kelsey type numbers in terms of, but I just, I don't know. There just seems to be a big disconnect there. And it, it felt like he was frustrated when he could catch the ball, he sort of slammed the ball into the turf and felt more like a frustration at the lack of, you know, quality touches he was getting as much as anything else. Um, and, and that might be part of the problem moving forward this season. There's simply not enough balls to go around. You know, you're trying to feed Tyreek Hill. You've got Jalen Model, who's a monster. You've got this two-headed running attack. You've got the tight end. You've got Cedric Wilson, who's a good player, you know. So, I don't know. I would, again, I mean, I said this four or five weeks ago. I just wouldn't be surprised to see him move before the trade deadline. Yeah, especially if they could get something useful for him. You know, if, if they could get if they could get something and, and they might need something because... Uh, they don't know the severity of Austin Jackson's injury right now, and they're going to be playing playing around with that right tackle spot. I would guess this week because I don't know. You know, you don't go from uh, we're going to get more eyes on Austin Jackson's ankle to hey, hey, guess what? He's playing. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. so I would I would venture to guess this is a complete guess. No information on this that Austin Jackson is probably not available for Sunday, and Greg Little or somebody else will be lining up at right tackle. But uh, you had something interesting as well, Chris, on on Mike Gusecki's usefulness in the passing game, even while he's not getting targeted. Well, uh, I mean, I think I think he was relegated to almost a, a decoy role in this game, um, mm-hmm. and so this is not the game where I think that we should be concluding that he's on his way out and going to get traded before the deadline. I think the game where we conclude that would be one where he clearly is more of a part of the game plan, and then he just lets you down. Um, and I think that this game, I mean, cause I noticed, I noted with interest first off, Simon's right. You know, it seemed like all the ball, not all the balls, but a lot of it was going to Tyreek Hill. It was, it was just, they're going to get him the ball. Um, and Tua called him a cheat code. So it's obviously hard not to get him the ball. But, um, but I think I noted that Mike McDaniel said that he was actually a little bit surprised given the game plan, uh, and, and what they were doing that Jalen Waddle didn't get more more action like mm-hmm. he he like he thought this was a game where he was expecting Jalen Waddle to get more action than he did and um and so you know you have all those balls going toward Tyreek Hill and you have Mike McDaniel thinking that the game plan would have you know given a lot of balls to Jalen Waddle too well where's my Mike Gesicki and all that well he's not there <laughs> and I think that um I think that if you look at his pattern of usage it was very similar to how uh, it ended in preseason which is to say uh, he was not there at all in 21 personnel, not not a single snap. Like so, when the Dolphins went with Alec Ingold as the up back, and you know had that had that that sort of uh, personnel grouping, Mike Gesicki was not on the field. Uh, he was on the field for almost all of the 12 personnel, like two tight end looks. Um, so that's I guess that's encouraging, but th- that should be assumed. Um, however, those looks were really not productive. Uh, on either way, running or passing. Um, but he did, and I thought this was interesting. He was in on the, he was on the field for 15 out of the 24, 11 personnel snaps, which hmm. um, in his past, you know, Adam Gase had issues even using him in 11 personnel, like as the only tight, tight end on the field. Um, so he was on the field for most of the, uh, the, the 11 personnel, the one single tight end, um, three wide receiver looks and what I think that the Dolphins found found as they went through the game is the New England Patriots were defaulting to a dime package every time 
uh, Miami came out with three wide receivers plus Mike Gesicki. Uh, and, and that dime package of New England's was struggling, okay, hard against Miami. Uh, whatever coverages they, they decided to do. I think, I think a lot of it had to do with Raekwon McMillan being the only linebacker on the field in a lot of those. Um, and his inability to really do anything in coverage. But, I mean, they were, they were struggling. Miami was super productive in the passing game, in particular, um, against, against the New England dime defense. Uh, and it got to the point where they even – Mike McDaniel kind of overplayed his hand a little bit and called a, uh, a screen – uh, out of 11 personnel with Mike Gesicki on the field against all those defensive backs. He called a screen to the side to Tyree Kill. He gained like 17 yards off of it easily, you know, easily gained 17 yards off of it. And I think that's when Bill Belichick uh, put the clamps on that. And he stopped, he stopped going to dime whenever Gesicki was on the field on, um, on in 11 personnel. Mm. And, uh, and I think that that was sort of the, the chess match back and forth because Gesicki ended up effectively just being uh, a decoy, you know, he's on the field. So you're going to, you're, you're getting dime and, and then, you know, and then we're going to take advantage of that. And, uh, and that could have been accomplished by Tanner Connor, probably, you know, who is, who is a wide receiver in college and who runs, you know, around the four, four range. So, uh, so that's probably, for those of you believing that Gesicki could be traded, that's, that's what you have to be looking at is like, well, if he's just going to be a decoy in these games and Tanner Connor could have been the same thing. And it's because clearly Gesicki wasn't doing great as a blocker, uh, except for a couple of snaps, weirdly in pass protection, he did all right. Um, but yeah, so, so I think, I think going forward, the game where you have to say, you know, book is shut, it's done with Gesicki is one where they actually are counting on him to be part of the game plan. And he just lets them down. And um, we haven't seen that yet, and I'm not ruling it out uh, because you know chips do seem down for him. But um, but I thought the uh, the the usage for him probably went about according to plan. All right, and you know we're gonna go to break right now with with a new sponsor, by the way. Liquid Death is a new sponsor of ours. Uh, you know we're gonna go to break right now. When we come back, we're gonna talk about the stars of this game. I want to ask Simon a question about the way our coach, our head coach, operated and our defensive coordinator operated, which is something that I found interesting as I watched the game. I'm a good tea leaf reader when I watch these games, and I found one thing very, very interesting. But first, a word from Liquid Death. This show is brought to you by Liquid Death. Have you ever been to the grocery store and seen these tall boy cans that look like beer called Liquid Death? Well, it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, available in still, sparkling, and three different flavors. Those three flavors? Check these names out. Severed Lime, Mango Chainsaw, Bury It Alive. Liquid Death murders your thirst, and the infinitely recyclable cans are environmentally friendly. Liquid Death also donates 10% of the profits from every can sold to help fight and kill plastic pollution. Go get Liquid Death at your local Publix, the Fresh Market, or Whole Foods Market, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash three. Write that out, T-H-R-E-E. That's liquiddeath.com slash three. Go get Liquid Death. Follow Liquid Death on social media, on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Twitter. And use the hashtag MurderYourThirst and hashtag DeathToPlastic. All right, and we're back. Simon, 
I noticed one thing while watching this game, and I rewatched it. I watched the condensed version, and then I wanted to watch it to to make sure I knew what I saw the first time. But on offense, I wanted to see how our head coach was operating. And sure enough, like the plays are moving from his mouth into the headset right to Tua Tonga Bailoa. But he was consulting consistently over and over again with John Embry and nobody else. So is it fair to say that John Embry is the one running the personnel side? Like he's running he's running the personnel groupings and it's a two-headed monster running the entire offense? I mean, hard to know without asking him, mate, to be honest. I mean, but it wouldn't yeah. surprise me. And Embry's hugely experienced, is completely trusted by the by by McDaniel. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me. And obviously, you know, this is a guy that hasn't called plays before, and now he is not only calling plays, but also being the head coach of a team. So I, I think just having somebody to keep an eye on things, somebody to keep an eye on the clock, somebody to keep an eye on challenges, somebody to keep an eye on personnel groupings, all of those things I think he he absolutely needs because you know, we recall the Adam Gage years when, you know, he'd go and sit on the bench and, um, you know, draw up the next the next drive, the next, uh, you know, the next place, the next drive. And I, I don't think, you know, it's an easy job when you're a coordinator, especially a rookie coordinator and a rookie head coach to be able to just completely keep on top of all the things that you need to keep on top of. He said in the press conference today that, you know, two availed him out a few times because he was getting calls in late. Um, which I think is really interesting, and and that will obviously need to quicken up. It, it didn't feel like we were, you know, kind of rushing to the line. I mean, there were there were times certainly. I watched the Green Bay game yesterday, and you know, the Packers were coming to the line really late and just getting the ball off. Um, but uh, no, I, I I thought he did a good job. I I talked about the the offense mm. and how it looked earlier on. There was still, you know, I was disappointed in the run game. I was disappointed in the offensive line. But I like the comments that McDaniel made after the game. I like the comments he made today. You know, he said, if we're on a journey, if we're on the journey we want to be on, that should be the worst game we play all year. And I think that, that was a great thing to say. I, I, he said about Tua, or he said he'd spoken to Tua and said to him, you know, don't be afraid of the things you need to be better at. And again, just really sage advice from, and you can see in the, the video that the Dolphins released in their locker room mm-hmm. uh, after the game, just how enthused the players are to be around him. Just, you know, all this crazy talk earlier on about the fact that he's five foot six and, you know, he's like a, a pipe cleaner in terms of, you know, how skinny he is. <laughs> that, that, that sort of stuff doesn't matter. And it was ludicrous that it even, you know, became a, a national point of discussion. He can coach, he can lead men. Uh, and I thought he did a really good job yesterday. I thought two of the funniest things, I think, were him locking his car keys out of his Tesla, which was pretty funny. And then, uh, I don't know if you guys saw it, but when he ran onto the field to to congratulate or to say thank you to Bill Belichick, I think he expected a bit of a chat. Yeah, Belichick's and Bill Belichick's like, oh, fuck off, guy. And it was literally just a shake of the hand. It like Although there's, there's some backstory there. There's some backstory okay. there that... that uh... I guess it's speculated on by some of the, the New England media that Bill Belichick was rather gruff and had told a lot of people on the sideline that he didn't appreciate the play call with one minute left where Tua rolled out to his left. He thinks that they were they were trying to get the cer- a certain look to fool them into a certain coverage to try to sneak a touchdown past them, which he would have thought was running up the score and completely unnecessary. And I tend to agree with him, but that's a hell of a thing for him of all people to say. You know what I mean? After the, the beatdowns he's laid on other teams the last 20 years, mm. you know? So maybe it was something like that. Like, you know, hey, it was a know. stupid call, by the way. It, it was, was a stupid call. call. No, if you watch the play, I watched it again. They absolutely tried to sneak Trent Sherfield past the defense. The, the Patriots just didn't bite. bite. And then Tua got caught like, ah, oh, shit. Like, what's going on? You know, like, what do I do now? 
Well, what you should have done to us just run out of bounds and get the first down. You're right there. <laughs> or no, slide. Yeah, slide. 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 But they absolutely tried to fool them to try to sneak a touchdown past them with a minute left. Uh, you know, that that's the only black mark on McDaniel's day. I don't think that was completely necessary, even though well, you know, Belichick for three thirty game, he called he called a, a like a max protect with two man route combination. You know the 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 two man route combination that Tyreek and Waddle keep running yeah. uh in training camp and preseason that keeps producing the uh the big the big pat- bombs to Tyreek. Mm-hmm. Um the 65 yarder in training camp, the the big one on the uh against the Eagles, uh you know, they ran that play with 330 left in the game. Um too and so like it was <laughs> it was hyper aggressive and yeah yeah, yeah so maybe you know remember Bubalichik watches football the, a different way than we do you know like like we look at him like okay two is doing something stupid no he's looking at like these assholes are trying to fool me to, to try to sneak a touchdown past my defense here mm-hmm. yeah but all right let's move on to our three stars of the games uh I'll go first Kater Kohu like, hey, man, we we got sold this guy hard in in uh, as soon as they signed him, actually. And then we got, you know, I got him sold very hard to me while I was in Tampa. And then when I watched him, I was like, okay, there's there's something here. Well, there, there's enough there that they made Noah Benogany inactive. Kater Kohu played plenty and played very well, I thought. Uh, my second star has to be Tyreek Hill, uh, as advertised, eight catches, 96 yards. Yeah, that's that's a very productive day. He was essentially the entire offense for most of the day. And my last star is going to be Josh Moore. Uh, there was so much speculation of you know what he could or could not do, whose defense that actually was last year, who actually was calling the plays. I thought he was pretty smart in how he handled Mac Jones. Mac Jones last year proved, in my opinion, that he could really identify blitzes. He could uh, he could move the ball hot if he has to, and be successful against our defense as they blitz. Um, I think he mixed it up perfectly and it seemed to work. And Mac Jones looked as bad as he has in the three games. I thought he looked all right in game two last year against us. And I thought he looked okay in game one last year. He looked absolutely horrible out there on Sunday. So Josh Burger gets my third star of the game. Simon. Uh, I agree with you on Kohu. I thought he was excellent. I thought just, you know, where he needs to be 18, snaps he played on defense big play on special teams big hit uh and look i, I know the patriots lack a little bit of speed certainly out out wide tycon thornton being out um but you know nick needham i thought played really well as well just we, we really didn't apart from the first drive and apart from the the deep ball to kendrick Bourne in the fourth quarter down the left sideline we really didn't give up anything in the pass game um so yeah kohu i thought played really well xavier howard just you know completely on lockdown uh, just doing what you expect a big time, big play cornerback to do, which was, you know, knock the ball up in the air. Uh, I actually thought he should have been called for the for the interception play and not been called for the um uh, the illegal hands downfield um where he knocked the ball away out of um out of Parker's hands, which should have forced a punt, and they actually ended up scoring on that drive. I thought that was a pretty bad call, but you know, just an absolute lockdown corner again. Just you know, he's the best player on the team by a country mile. Um, and then I thought Brandon Jones, I thought Brandon Jones had a really, really good game. Um, you know, he's oft criticised for his uh, ability or otherwise uh, in the past game. 
but he's also the best blitzing defensive back in in the in the NFL. And I think he's probably, you know, depending on where you ca- or how you categorize Micah Parsons' pass rush, mm-hmm. he, he's potentially the best blitzing defender in the NFL. I think he had six sacks last year. The the disguise on the on the the forced fumble for the Melvin Ingram touchdown was superb in terms of, you know, just the way he lined up, the way he sort of crouched and hid a little bit when he was stepping towards the line. Nobody saw him. Trent Brown didn't see him. Mac Jones didn't see him. Perfect timing. Perfect to knock the ball away. Uh, he could have had an interception on the very next play, actually. Uh, I just thought generally his run fits were excellent. His run support was really good. He's just a really good player in terms of you know, doing the things that he does well. He maximizes his ability. At. You don't want him matched up one-on-one in coverage, even though you know Chris and I talked about how he played against LSU in, in one-on-one coverage in the slot when he was back in college and played really well. Uh, when Joe Burrow was a quarterback. But uh, I think generally you kind of want to avoid having him in those positions. But in terms of run fits, in terms of running the alley, in terms of, um, you know, blitzing the quarterback, I think he's done. I thought we had a superb game. Yeah. And, and by the way, the all-time record for sacks in a season by a defensive back. Do you know it, Simon, off the top of your head? Uh, I, don't. I don't. Jamal Adams, 2020. It was nine and a half sacks. Brandon Jones is going to threaten that this year, I think. He's going to get plenty of opportunities. All right, Chris, uh, your stars. Well, I, I am going to actually go with um, Brandon Jones on on defense. Uh, I th- First off, you know, Cater Coho and and all the guys that you've mentioned, Josh Boyer, Kuda, I said this on Twitter, you know, he, he needed to step out of Brian Flores' shadow and in some ways. And, you know, what a way to do that in his first – the first game without Flores uh, as a defensive coordinator. Um really really showed really showed that this is his defense and that this you know he's he's he is him not not necessarily brian flores uh holding the strings but i and cato coho for the limited time that he was out there did an immense job but brandon jones with that uh that sack fumble i mean he made one of the plays that i think made the game and Mm -hmm. and that that the way that uh that he hid and um, and then got in there on the sack and then immediately punched the football out with his, you know, with the backhand uh, as he got there. I mean, it was just it wasn't like he tackled him and then kind of ripped it out like he he got there and punched it out immediately. And um, and that was why there was a touchdown off of it. Uh, I thought Melvin oh, wait, on Ingram, that play, if you watch it, if you watch it, Melvin Ingram with the pinch rush. Did you see what he did? He kind of held up Trent Brown. It was beautiful. And Trent Brown, when he notices it, he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> why the, is this guy just idea. standing here? <laughs> and and not that Trent Brown would have gotten out there. No. Anyway, no. because he's, you know, he's, he's too slow footed. He's too big. Um, but I, I think that Melvin Ingram was the other guy on defense that I would give out. You know, I would I would isolate here and our spotlight here because with Andrew Van Ginkle having a the appendix surgery uh he had to have his snaps dialed down and mike mcdaniel made it clear that was the reason his snaps were dialed down um that they're they're having to come bring him along slowly coming back from that melvin ingram was out there for like 31 snaps and and it wasn't necessarily all pass rush either you know it was there was there was coverage he did a good job in coverage he did a good job against the run he was he mm-hmm. showed the savvy 
if anything, it was it was everything but pass rush that he, that he was that he was really um, that he was really doing well. We know that he can pass rush really well. Now he's a he's a savvy pass rusher, but um, but yeah, he he did a fantastic job on defense. Um, I think Simon brought up a good point about Xavier too because he was he was absolutely locked down, and the Patriots were counting on Devontae Parker, and Xavier Howard made it so that they couldn't. You know, and there's mm-hmm. something to be said for that. But on offense, um, the the guy that I, I wanted to go with, obviously, is Tyreek Hill because, you know, people are saying, oh, duh, like Tyreek Hill. Of, of course, we knew he was good. Well, okay. But how often have we seen teams, including the Miami Dolphins, sign the big wide receiver? And then you get through a game and you're like, where was he? You know, like, like he, what, he, didn't, he didn't really do much out there, like Mike Wallace or something like that. Like, you know, yeah, it was okay. You oh, know, poor, like, poor Alan Robinson. Well, Alan, yeah, we were we were just we were just talking about that before on the previous, you know, and and look at Kenny Galladay up in New York. Huge contract that he got. And, and where is he? You know, this happens a lot. This happens. You sign the big wide receiver and then you get him and it's like, you know, yeah, it was OK. <laughs> this was more than OK with Tyreek Hill. Okay. He was that guy, you know, when out there he was, as Tua said, a cheat code. It was, you know, if frankly it got, there was a third and five where, um, where Tua tried to hit him in coverage, uh, on an outbreaking route. And you know, the, he was well covered and it, it was to the point where that one time he was well covered. I was just shocked. Mm. I was just really, you know, because because he was uncoverable out there. He's too quick. He makes too many moves and, and too quick of a succession. And and it was just I mean, he was he was dominant on the offensive side of the ball. And so if you know, if, if he's not getting the game ball on offense, I don't know who the hell is. So. Um, so, yeah, those are my those are my three Tyreek, Melvin and uh, Brandon Jones. All right. That's going to do it. And the next time we talk to you, we'll be talking about Ravens. Dolphins and week two. But till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working. The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.